Trinity Baptist Church, a community growing in faith, obedience, and joy. We're just singing here um, about God and, and how he's you know, good forever and he's kind forever. And I always sing the songs, but it's really hard for me to really connect with these songs. Um, I mean, they're true, obviously, to me, but I don't really get a lot out of those sing- out of the singing. I don't know if that makes any sense to you. This is probably something you've never heard in church before. Um, um, I think that's because God wants me to have a more active faith. I, I can't understand how I can sing God is good forever if I don't see his goodness. I don't understand how God can be kind forever if I'm not seeing him being kind to people. So I need to be out there. I need to be seeing people healed. I need to be seeing, I need to see God being good to real people through real problems. I need to see people working through their sin problems, the stuff they don't talk to people about. I need to see people encouraging ministers that are that their hearts are, have sunk because they've worked so hard and not seen the fruit they expect. Um, one, I, I used, to, it got so bad at one point, I stopped going to church for years. Like, it just, I just didn't see the point. Um, and that's, that's a big deal for a guy, to not have a point for something, to not feel like you're making progress, to not feel like your work means something, that your, your time means something. Um, eventually, God worked on me, and my wife and I did decide to start serving somewhere. It's something we actually served up um, the AV booth, and we were in the slides and the lights. And it was there that I saw those real stories. It was when I decided to be on the front lines with God that I understood why God is good. I didn't get it sitting in the pew. I didn't get it consuming the work of other people. I didn't get it until I stopped going to church and I pray, prayerfully, humbly tried to be the church myself. Hi, my name is Brett Brown, and God has a purpose for my life. Thanks. Uh, So this is Exodus 19. Um, It's on page 141, if you want to follow along. Um, On the first day of the third month, after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from the Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words of the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, we will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. Uh, This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Brett. Yesterday, uh, Dave and I and a handful of other guys went and served with the uh, New York City relief bus, and they are 
for these next couple of weeks, they're, they're serving Thanksgiving meals. And so there were a bunch of guys out there and, uh, it was, it was really fun to, to do that and kind of be on the front lines as Brett was talking about. So after, after I did that, I came back to church to get ready for, for today. And I remembered that I needed to set up the, the children's classroom so that, so that the kids could all have their stuff going. And while I was setting up the classrooms, I smelled the muffins burning that I was uh, preparing for coffee hour. So I had to run in there and get those taken care of. And, and so while I was setting up the coffee hour stuff, I remembered that Dave had asked me to tune his guitar and, and that I needed to do that and get the mics set up uh, for the service this morning. And if you believe any of that, um, well, the New York City relief bus was true, but the rest of it... What if it really happened that way? What if it was all left to just me to make sure that what goes on around here is happening? We'd be in big trouble, right? I mean, there would be a lot of things that wouldn't get done. There would be things that did get done, but they would be done very poorly. And... The reality is, I would have to ask your forgiveness because I would be robbing you of the thing, of things that God has equipped you to do. I would have to repent because I would be doing things contrary to God's genius design for his church. You see, God never intended for one person or even a small group of people to do the ministry, to do the work of his church. God intended for all of us to be involved, as Brett was sharing, for all of us to really be on the front lines. Um, The past couple of weeks, we've been talking about how gratitude leads to generosity, how when we recognize all that God has done for us, all that God has gifted us with, our natural response to Him is to be generous with all of those things. But if we're not being generous, that is a reflection of the lack of, gen- the lack of gratitude that we have. You see, if, if we're not being generous with, with ourselves then we are, we are showing that we really aren't that grateful all, for all that God has done for us. Two weeks ago, we talked about being generous with our treasure, our money, and our, and our material things. Last week, James talked about being generous with our time. This morning, I want us to think about what it looks like to be generous with our talents, and to get us thinking about this, I want us to con- consider one of the tenets that grew out of the Reformation, specifically the the tenet of the priesthood of all believers. You familiar with that phrase? Yes. Anybody heard of the Protestant Reformation? Okay. So it was a pretty big deal. And out of that came this idea that everybody's a priest. But... But it didn't start in the Reformation. 
A few moments ago, we heard Brett read from Exodus 19. God was speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai just before he gave him the Ten Commandments. And God told him what to tell Israel. He said, remind them that I brought them out of Egypt. Remind them that I brought them to myself. In essence, he's saying, remind them of my generosity toward them. And then he says, tell them that although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now, you might be thinking, okay, Keith, um, that makes sense, but that was for Israel, and that's Old Testament. What does that have to do with us? Well, because of Israel's disobedience, God did not immediately make them a kingdom of priests. Rather, he established this select group of men who would represent God to the people and who would be uh, mediators between the people and God. He set aside this group of people to do that. But then Jesus shows up, And the religious culture gets turned upside down as as Jesus starts making statements to ordinary people like you and me. He would look at crowds and he would say, you, yeah, you, Ivory, you're the light of the world. He would um, look at people and he would say, you, Amanda, yeah, you, you, are supposed to build a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. He would look at people and he would say, you, yes, you, you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself and and your enemies also. And as you do this, you're going to reflect my love and you're going to demonstrate my love and you're going to show the world my hope and my peace. You, yes, you are supposed to do this. And he said this right in in the midst of all the, you know, religious professionals, the professional priests. Then came this day called Pentecost. Anybody heard of the day of Pentecost? Okay, good. We're tracking a little bit. A bunch of these non-priestly, ordinary people who had walked with Jesus came together to pray in an upper room. And in Acts chapter 2, it tells us that the Holy Spirit of God invaded that room and it blew through their lives like this mighty rushing wind. And everyone there was changed and empowered then by the Holy Spirit. From that moment on, the message was clear that everyone who follows Jesus now has direct access to God. Everyone who follows Jesus has supernatural power of the Holy Spirit in them. Everyone who follows Jesus is called to be extraordinary. Everyone who's been anointed as a pre, everyone of us who follow Jesus has been anointed to be a priest to carry on God's love and hope to each other and to this world. Can you imagine a community where every member with a healthy sense of humility discovered that they were a priest? 
How many of you remember uh, the movie, uh, the animated movie a few years ago called The Incredibles? Oh, good. I love that movie. So, so in this movie, you've got this family of, of former superheroes, right, who, who realize that they've still got it. Wouldn't it be cool if we all realized that we've got it? And that God has put this supernatural power within us to do supernatural things that could transform the world? Wouldn't it be cool if we all realized that we've got it? You come to church and you, you're going down to serve in the nursery and, and you think, you know, here I come to save the day. I am baby rocking man. I got supernatural powers to rock those kids. Or, or, you know, hand me a pen because I am encouragement, note-writing woman, you know. And because we see, we see all of these seemingly mundane things as supernaturally charged with power to transform lives. Now, without delving into centuries of church history, somewhere along the line, the church decided to hire a few religious professionals and then passively watch while they carry out their priestly duties. Everyone else would sit on the sidelines, sit on their hands, sit on their gifts, sit on their talents, and just kind of sit back and view the priestly performance and they would say, why do you expect, expect me to get involved? I mean, that's what we pay you for. Friends, you need to know, tragically, that that's the reality in many churches. And the result is people are hugely unfulfilled. And the church just limps along, powerless, frustrated, and ineffective in its mission. You see, because we're leaving it to just a few professionals, um, we are not building the city on a hill that the world steps back and looks at and says, wow. Something else, there's not one ounce of biblical support for that kind of church structure. That's not how God put the church together. That's not what God had in mind for his church. You've got to think that God's smarter than that, right? I mean, it would be a terrible choice on his part to leave me in charge of the praise team. Really bad choice. That's why Beth is here. That's why Dave is here. That's why Ivory is here. That's why Jen is here. That's why um, uh, Lila's here. That's why uh, Elizabeth is here. There are people who are gifted in that so much more. Well, it's easy to be more gifted in that than me. But there are people who are gifted in that. It would be a terrible idea for God to put me in charge of the AV stuff. I mean, who knows what would be up on the screen, if anything. That's why Roy's here. That's why May's here. That's why Sheen is here. Because God has wired us differently to use the gifts and abilities that he's given us so that the, all of us can experience who he is 
in us and let his love flow through us. What scripture teaches is that God has gifted and called every one of us to be a priest. Ordinary people living extraordinary lives. To be a real player on a real team of real world changers. In fact, a few years after Jesus left, the apostle Peter would write these words to followers of Jesus. He said, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Why? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Friends, Peter wasn't writing that to a pastor's conference. He's writing that to a bunch of ordinary people like you and me. And he's saying... You're all priests. You're all priests. And you are called to, to, to live out your life in such a way that, that shows the world that you've been called out of darkness into marvelous light. Friends, we're all called, we're all saved, we're all redeemed, we're all recycled, we're all equipped and gifted to make a wonderful, the wonderful light of God known in this dark world. John would write in the book of Revelation of followers of Jesus. He said, you, speaking of Jesus, have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. We are all priests. How many of you knew when you walked in this morning that you were a priest? A handful. I'm here to tell you, we're all priests. We're all priests. There is no such thing as a small player in God's kingdom. If you've been around Trinity for any length of time at all, you know that I play golf. And um, sometimes people say, well, you know, what kind of golfer are you? And I say, well, I shoot in the 70s. And sometimes I'll even dip into the 60s. But if it gets any colder than that, then I won't play. Um, (laughs) Truth, this is true. When, sometimes when I'm out playing and the weather's looking kind of inclement, somebody, inevitably somebody in the foursome will say, hey, you're the pastor. Could you do something about this weather? <laughs> and I will say, no, because I'm just in sales, not management. See, the truth is, I have no special connection. I am a sinner saved by grace, just like you. Now, as a pastor, I have been given the task of teaching and leading and equipping people to serve God, but that's just the way that God has called me to use my gifts to serve this world. You may have totally different gifts with totally different passions, but the reality is we are both priests with an extremely high calling. We are all significantly, supernaturally um, empowered people. We have all been given uh, this uniqueness, this giftedness with which we are to serve as priests. And when one of us drops the ball, the whole community suffers. Here's what Peter writes in 1 Peter 4. 
God has given gifts to each of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. You see what Peter's saying? He's saying that God's generosity toward us is manifested in the ways that he's gifted us. And when we use our giftings for his glory, we demonstrate God's generosity. When we use our gifts, we allow God's generosity to flow through us. And as Brett was talking about earlier, when we do that, there's this deep satisfaction in us where we, where we can say, you know what, I was made for this. When that happens, the church flourishes and the world takes notice of our good deeds. And as Peter would later say, that results in the praise of God. God says through a variety, through the variety, let the generosity flow. Through the variety, let the generosity flow. Whatever your gift is, whatever your talent is, whatever your wiring is, let God's generosity flow through that. Look at what um, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12. And I'll read this from the message. Because I love how Peterson paraphrases it. Paul writes this. He says, God's various gifts are handed out everywhere. But they all originate in God's spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere. But they all originate in God's spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere. But God himself, he's behind it all. And then he says, each person is given something to do that shows who God is. I love that. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it and everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit to all kinds of people. The variety is wonderful. Isn't that great? God says to you and you and you and you and you and me, to every Christ follower, He says, A grace gift of the Holy Spirit has been given to you and everyone benefits and everyone gets in on it. You benefit because you start being fulfilled by using what God has uniquely wired you to do. You benefit because you start getting to say, I was made for this. Everybody else benefits, church benefits, because we start playing as a team. And we, we stop operating where we got to be in silos or we got to, you know, operate. And we come together. And the world benefits because the world steps back and they say, there's some kind of power behind that. Because I don't see that anywhere else. When we are generous with our gifts, with our talents, we become that city on a hill that cannot be hidden because we become God's agents of truth and compassion and hope as we were meant to be. The Bible teaches us that every person who invites Christ into their life to forgive their sin and to lead their life receives this supernatural gift. The Bible says that once a person is in Christ, he or she is empowered to use that gift alongside everyone else to advance the purposes of God together. And as this gift develops, 
as the person grows and matures and, and puts that, that gift into practice, um, the church gets better. And the world sees us differently. You and I are responsible for identifying our gifts. And we are responsible for developing our gifts, getting the most out of the gift that God has given you. Um, For instance, God has given me the gift of teaching. Now, um, the degree of the effectiveness of that gift is still up for debate. Um, But I'm responsible for developing that. I'm responsible for working that out so that I get better. I'm a better steward of this gift that God has given me. Because I believe one day he's going to hold me accountable for that. Remember the, the parable of the talents where God gives you know the talents to these guys and two of them really use them well and one buried it? Who's burying their talent? Or are we taking that thing that God has given us and we're working on it and we're developing it and we're using it for his kingdom? Now make no mistake about it, our gifts and our talents are not things that we manufacture. They are, they are gifts that God gives us to use through our life. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 11. It says, It is the one and only Holy Spirit who distributes these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. You see, we can't, we can't look at the list of gifts and say, Hmm, I think I'll take that one. It's not your call. You don't get to choose. You don't get to, God doesn't say, here, you know, make a list of what you want and the priority you want them, and if I have some left over, I'll give it to you. See, the good thing about that is that God knows us better than we know ourselves. And sometimes the gifts that we want would not mesh with how he has wired us. See, God knows us inside and out, and he knows that the gifts that we've been given are, are, are suited for the personality that he's wired us with. How many of you in here are extroverts? Okay, how many are introverts? All right, so the extroverts' hands went up like this. The introverts went... How many of you are huggers? Oh, we got all kinds of huggers. How many of you just feel like a plot sheet of plywood when you see a hugger coming? <laughs> you know, there's some of us who just, we're out there, we look, oh, come on, let me give you a hug. You know, we're just, and then some of us say, don't touch me. That's who God's wired you to be. That's how God's wired you. It's not right or wrong. It's just who you've been wired to be. And so the more you come to identify, well, I'd really like to be like that. No. You need to step into who you are. You need to appreciate how God's wired you. You need to appreciate 
the giftings that he's given you, the abilities that he's given you, the passions that he's given you, and see how all of those things come together into this meaningful whole. And then you can say, okay, because this is my wiring, these are my talents, these are my passions, I think the best place for me to, to demonstrate God's love and power and kingdom is here. When you step into that, you'll be going, man, I was wired for this. That's the beauty of how God made us. When we embrace that reality, um, that's when we begin to live fully. That's when we begin to experience not just the fullness of who we are, but the fullness of who He is in us. I think that's what Brett was talking about in his testimony. Paul went on in his letter to the Corinthians talking about how the incredible design of our body is a model for how he put the church together. Look at what he says. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our togetherness as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. You see, when we understand that we're, we're not the whole thing, I'm not doing the children's thing and the muffin thing and the music. I'm not the whole thing. I got one piece. And you got another piece. And you got another piece. We've all got a piece. But as we all do our piece, it all comes together into this beautiful whole. You see, the, the same God who made snowflakes... And the same God who made DNA also made the composition of this church. And we've all got a unique role to play in it. Friends, the point that Paul is making here is that there's not an A list and a B list of gifts. There's not, uh, a name, there's not name brand gifts and then generic gifts. They all have the same designer label on them. And if everybody would embrace who they are and the gifts that God has given them and allow God to use them, then all needs get, get met. Nobody's overworked in the process. Nobody burns out. And in the process, a watching world stands in awe of the God behind it all. Friends, if you will truly recognize God's generosity toward you and gifting you the way he has, your heart will swell with gratitude. Now, some of you say, well, I don't have any gifts. Yes, you do. Well, I can't play like Lila. Okay, neither can I. Well, I can't, you know, wrangle children like Cindy. Okay, neither can I. But find that thing or those things that you can do, that you do really well, that you are passionate about. And when you, and when you step into those things, instead of trying to be something you're not, then you step back and say, man, I was made for this. And if we're all doing that, 
That's the church at work. That's God's brilliant genius design for this church, for every church. Can you imagine being able to pass a microphone around a room like this and have every person stand up full of purpose and passion? And I love how Brett finished his testimony. I'm, I'm Brett Brown and I have a purpose. Can you imagine everybody standing up and, and saying, you know, um, obviously with a great deal of humility, <laughs> um, Hi, my name is my name is Ian. And God's wired me for mercy. I just love helping people. And so I, you know, I'm part of the mercy team, part of the benevolence team, and, and when I'm out there doing that, I I just feel God's favor, feel his blessing. I was made for this. Somebody else, Amanda's standing up and saying, you know, I, hi, my name's Amanda and I'm a priest. And God's wired me with, with gifts of organization and, and, and I love kids. And when I put those things together, I, I work in, on Broadway and, and, and work with kids there. And I work at the church and work with kids there. And when I'm doing that, I just think, man, I was made for this. Can you imagine each one of us standing up and, and Brad stands up and he says, I'm Brad and I'm a priest and, and I love baking muffins, which he does. And he's really good at it. And he just says, you know, I, man, and, and when I'm in the kitchen and I'm stirring up that stuff and I'm getting ready for coffee hour or I'm getting ready to bring stuff for somebody else to share with, I mean, I was made for this. Can you imagine if we all did that? Our church is an amazing place, but I don't think we have any idea how amazing we could be if everybody serving with the right gifts in the right place with the right people and the right passions at the right time. Wouldn't it be awesome if every single person, every single priest... How many of you now know that you're a priest? Okay. If you didn't raise your hand, we need to talk a little bit later. Because clearly I'm not doing my job very well. How awesome would it be if every single person in here could state their name and say, I am a priest. God has wired me like this, and this is how I'm using it. I was made for this. Friends, that's my dream. It's my dream for us as a community of faith to really be a community of faith. And that we not be spectators. We don't come in here and consume on Sunday mornings, but we come in here to let this be a launching pad for how we can launch into love into other people's lives, into the world so that the world looks at us and says, wow, Whatever they got, I want that. Friends, if I think that if we were able to go around the room and we could all say, this is what I was made for and this is what I'm doing to God's glory, I think there would be this huge celebration in heaven. I think that 
all of heaven would, would just explode saying, now there's a church that's getting it right. That's the city on a hill that Jesus was talking about. That's what God has in mind. I think God would look down on us and he would say, way to go, priests. Well done. Let me pray for us. Lord, you have, you have uniquely gifted each of us. We've got different passions and different talents and different wirings. And, and when, when we put all of those things together, we, we are unique as individuals. And then as a collection, as a community, we... We're different from every other church in the world. But Lord, every one of us, are, are this collection of churches all have the same purpose, and that is to be the city on a hill that cannot be hidden. That people would look at us and they would see something different and they would say, whatever that is, that's what I want. Lord, I pray that we would be people who give of ourselves generously because you have generously, generously given to us. What I'd like for you to do um, in your bulletin is is an orange card. And hopefully there is a, a, you have a writing utensil with you or one in front of you. On that orange card, I want every one of you right now to write across the top, say, my name is, put your name, and then the phrase, I am a priest, exclamation point. My name is Keith Boyd, and I am a priest. Just write that on that orange card. And then I want you to then I want you to write as best as I understand God has wired me for and then fill in the blank as best as I understand God has wired me for My name is Keith Boyd, and I am a priest, and as best as I understand, God has wired me for teaching and preaching and leading. And then I want you to write the next phrase. I will use this wiring in this way for God's kingdom.
I will use this wiring in this way for God's kingdom.